Hello there, and welcome to the Popcorn Tennis Podcast. It's been a while since Australia, but we're cracking on as uh, the next big event in the tennis calendar uh, is upon us. We are, well, we not, not we personally, but uh, uh, the tennis world is looking to tennis paradise um, in Indian Wells. Draw is out as of yesterday. Um, when recording this, recording this on uh, Tuesday evening UK time. And uh, I'm here with uh, my usual co-host, Shrihari, and special guest, Mr. Talking Tennis himself, John Silk. John, how are you doing? Looking forward to Indian Wells? Yeah, thanks for that wonderful intro as well. Yeah, no, I am. Um, probably uh, more so on the women's side than the men's, just because of some of the absences on the men's side, I think. Uh, we all know the obvious two ab- absences, but in addition to that, I see Brooksby has pulled out of both um, um, Miami and Indian Wells. He's confirmed, I think. Uh, but of course, Sebi Corder as well. I mean, the form he was in pre-Australia suggests that that he would be a miss and he could have gone far in this tournament. We all remember the match he had with Rafa a year ago. So the women's side, though, uh, very few absences. Um, and And that is... You know, the, the draw is very exciting. But if you look at the potential popcorn matches uh, coming up, they're nearly, all, they're nearly all potential women's matches, at least for the first couple of rounds. It usually is at a women's event, right? Um, I, I find generally the early rounds are where um, some of the big names clash uh, much sooner than in the, uh, in the men's draw. So let's start with the women's draw. Um, and I think one such match that sort of, you might want to talk about that's um, is obvious for a popcorn opening match would be uh, a battle between two slam champions, two American slam champions, Sloane Stevens and Sophia Kennan, with the winner having to play um, Elena Rabakina. Um, I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be that's going to be a great match because we know what kind of form Stevens and Kennan are in, but just uh, exemplifies the point that um, you you've made, John. Um, yeah, women's draw, interesting place because. We're fairly confident. I think we can be fairly confident that the champion is probably coming from the top ten. The question is which one, because it's not so much of a dead cert for Iga Swiatek as it may have been towards the end of twenty twenty two. Have any thoughts on that, John? Yeah, um, I, I'm glad you also mentioned the Kenan uh, match because Kenan was showing a bit of form funny enough I mean I'm, I'm scratching a little bit but uh, she was showing a bit of form before the Australian Open but she had Azarenka in the first round there so she may have had a I'm not saying she would have gone far but she may have had a run which for her would mean third or fourth round and we know how well Azarenka did in Australia this year so maybe that defeat has aged a little bit so uh, I certainly think she has a good chance um, what was the other part to your question sorry about the about the women's draw in general was it yeah it was about um the top 10 um basically yeah, oh, I see. It's hard to think yeah. anyone outside the top 10 winning it which is not something we can say we, we would have said a, a women's uh big women's events uh in the past or at least in the last couple of years but um you would say would you say that although Iga Spiontek might be the favorite on paper it's not by and there's no degree of certainty to that whatsoever completely agree yeah I mean this is there's there's sort of been three or four phases or parts to Ego over the last six months. We saw how, you know, she did really well in Australia and uh, sorry, in the US Open in, in September. And I, I mean this as a compliment, but she probably ground out that that Grand Slam win. It wasn't quite as dynamic 
as the tennis from the spring when she went on that unbeaten run. Um, and so then, then we went into another phase when she was at the WTA finals. Perhaps the season caught up with her there. I remember soon afterwards seeing images of her on, on a beach and, and resting up. Then we had the Australian Open and we just weren't quite sure. We saw that she had potentially Rabakina or Daniel Collins in the fourth round. It ended up being Rabakina and, and, and Rabakina in the fourth round doesn't come much tougher. So then she went on that incredible run by, you know, bageling and, and uh, donutting all these different players. And we're, we're expecting and, and baguetting, actually, I should say, uh, all these different players. And we're thinking, OK, we're, are we back to where we were a year ago? And there was a lot of compliments about her serve. And then she plays Krajcikova, who's turning into a bit of a nemesis, uh, or at least two matches in a row now that, that she's lost to the Czech. So, yeah, I think I think with all the top 10, you could probably, or to some extent, I mean, I'm just looking at the top 10 now. I think you, it would be a stretch to predict Zhebergov, Sakuri, Kazakina. I think that would be a stretch to predict them. I mean, you could predict them and you could be right, but I think it would be difficult to make a case. Outside the top 10, yeah, Klaichikova is the one that sticks out between sort of 11 and 20, um, arguably as a ranker, depending on where she's at. But uh, yeah, uh, I completely understand what you mean. I mean, there's a there's a strong argument for about eight or nine players, but I would probably just add Klaichikova to that list. Um, yeah, it's worth noting that as a ranker, I'd probably play Mukova in the second round. Um, I don't know if that could get interesting or tricky for her. I think Muka was playing some good tennis. She beat Benchich in Dubai before. Um, I think she had to retire or pull out before that. But um, yeah, she, you know she's had some good wins and she's on her comeback to herself. Yeah, um, yeah. Azarenka does have a good history with Indian Wells. Um, she's won a few times there. She's former Sunshine doubleist. Um, nearly won in 2021, again, that incredible final against Paolo Podossa, which um, probably was a match of the year in many ways. Um, yeah, so she's she's definitely a dark horse. I think Krajikova, I agree, um, is is in the mix as well. I think that she's very much underranked uh, for where she, um, she, and that's due to the injuries she suffered around about this time. Last year, so I'm hoping that she'll be back in the top ten soon, where she did, where she belongs. Uh, so yeah, I I would agree with you, John. I'd put her in as a as a contender. Um, yeah, um, I think. I mean, it's um, if we were to try and narrow things down from the through the um, in the women's draw. I mean, um, Shahira, you saw you were in uh, Dubai for. Uh, when when the uh, women were playing there um, at their 1,000 event, the first 1,000 event of the year. Um, who would you say um, is looking impressive and carrying good form from Dubai? Um, from what I saw, I mean, I thought it was eager to lose uh, when I saw her play Samsonova in the third round. And, you know, just uh, I remember there was that one-all game where it went to like a couple of deuces and then from there eager didn't lose a game and she was just um uh, completely dominant and so she was for the you know following two matches as well of course she played coco golf uh, and matchup that she's enjoyed quite a bit i think it's like six and oh in the head to head at the moment um so yeah i would want to say eager and you know especially because she was struggling with uh you know some health issues in the final so i think um 
I mean, I wouldn't read too much into that, but at the same time, I it, you know she did show that she can play like some of her best tennis, and she has been as well. Um, you know, this season or for parts of this season so far, Sabalenka looked pretty good as well. Um, in the first round, I mean, the second round, she didn't. She looked pretty scratchy against Ostapenko, and then inexplicably losing from six love three one to Krejcikova. So I would say, yeah, Krejcikova is looking great. Uh, Pegula was playing some decent tennis as well. Iga, of course, was playing amazingly until the final. Madison Keys had some good wins too against Garcia and Azarenka. Uh, so yeah, there are quite a few players on my mind. Um, but then at the same time, I just you know it all depends on uh you know a lot of circumstances. Well, I just you know none of us could uh, none of us predicted uh the final to turn out the way it did. We expected a fight from Krejcikova considering the form Iga was in, but um, you know, I, I still think Iga is the heavy favorite. Um, and at the same time, like you mentioned, Azarenka, who's had you know some good success here at this tournament. Um, if she's back healthy, I, I do uh, recall her picking up some injury after her winning against Anisimova in Dubai. Uh, so you know, she could also be in the mix. Um, and I do remember that she did beat Shriantek before Shriantek won uh, her first slam, uh, you know, in such a dominant fashion. So she has beaten a pretty good version of uh, Shriantek as well. So, uh, but yeah, so there are like three or four players that come to mind. Um, and I'm interested to see uh, how far Ons Jabra makes it because that, this is her first tournament since that AO exit in the second round, also since undergoing surgery. So I'm just uh, interested to see how far she goes. I think on top of that, not a lot is being said about Sabalenka at the moment, funny enough. I mean, she is the Australian Open winner, and I'm not, she's nowhere near under the radar, but we do seem to be talking about Iga's form, Clay Chikova as well, of course, uh, in particular winning the WT 1000 event recently uh, in Dubai. Um, Azarenka, of course, in her past form in Indian Wells, obviously comes into the reckoning. We're aware that Arms is coming back, so we probably think this tournament, or at least I do, think it might be a little bit too soon to expect a, a, a deep run from her. And then there's the small matter of the Australian Open finalist, sorry, the Australian Open winner, and someone who was undefeated until Dubai, which is Sabalenka. The, the thing that Sabalenka has, though, is a pretty tricky draw. Uh, compared to eager, in my opinion, I think, and I, I even said to um, Shrihui before we went live, Sabalenka's draw is almost, almost the wrong way around, in that the first three rounds, arguably, as a collective, are more difficult than la the latter three, depending on what happens. And we all know that in tennis, within a very, within a very short space of time, our our brackets can collapse. But let me just tell you a projected first three matches for her. Cornet in round two, uh, Vekic or Zhu in round three, Krejcikova in round four. To me, that could be a quarterfinal, semifinal, final run. And if anything, I think the quarterfinal against Goff, Anisimova or Bencic might be a little bit easier than the previous three. Plus in the semifinal, uh, it could be Sakari, Ostapenko, Kvitova or Pagula. So, you know, I would say three of those four would be arguably easier than the first couple, or certainly than, than Krejcikova. And then, of course, you're in the final, you know, it could be Rabakina, it could be Svantec, it could be Garcia, and, and you're back into a, a difficult territory, as you would expect. But 
It's the early rounds that if she's in the quarterfinal, she could be sitting in a very, very good position. But she might easily go out before then. Yeah, I agree. And I think one person we did overlook is Rybakina. Um, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, she did. She also another player who withdrew from Dubai uh, before playing Coco Golf. So I'm not sure okay. where. There are quite a few players who are, um, you know, not at a hundred percent health wise or just you know returning from injury. So that's uh you know another thing. Yeah, the women's draw definitely is uh more stacked, I would say, than the men's men's missing some key players like Djokovic and Nadal, Alcaraz, Sitsipas are question marks, Uzverev form wise. Uh, but at the same time, kind of a similar situation with the women's as well. You have these players not a hundred percent health wise, or we we don't know yet. Hopefully they will be. Um so yeah. Um you know, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I should mention that, you know, maybe we're all looking Rubak, you know, and if she's fit, uh, you know, she'll mm-hmm. be able to go deep enough. Uh, you, you mentioned that she was in Sabalenka section. Yeah, I think it's a potential final, 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 final. So, so that means separate oh, parts of the draw. the other half, okay. Uh, yeah. Hmm, yeah, that I would want, be the final, yeah, I, I think. I when she will... Uh, meet Iga Shiantek then because you know she did beat her at the Australian Open and, and the rematch of that would be pretty interesting whenever that happens. Uh, it would be the semis. Have... Mm-hmm. It'd be semis, but it okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I looked at Iga's I'm just trying to get up a potential route for her that I, I remember tweeting out yesterday and and, it, and I just felt that you know, uh, when we look at draws and we go, oh, that's, you know, there's a tough potential quarterfinal or potential semifinal. Well, yeah, you, you kind of would expect that. So for me, when I, the most important thing with a tough draw, if you like, unless you've got a nemesis that you really desperately want to avoid, you know, the, the main thing about a draw is how are the first two or three rounds looking? You know, on the men's side at Wimbledon, you don't want to be playing Cressy in round one, if you know what I mean. And, and probably right now, we, I did a show about him earlier, you don't want to be playing Jarry in round one on, on clay right now, if you like. These are the kind of players that you want to avoid, or even Clay Chikova, perhaps in her terms of her ranking, being a bit, been a bit skewed. So that aside, when I look at um, Sviontek's first few rounds, we've got Liu in round two, Andriescu in round three, and then round four, Raducanu, Lynette, Samsonova, Hadamaya. So, of course, that round four is tricky, but none of those are Krajcikova. And that's the one that you want to avoid in round four. Round three, if you ask me right now, I think I'd rather be playing Andrescu than Vekic. Uh, and and Cornet, we all know about the last 12 months for her. So so for me, it's not bad for Iga. There's a chance for her to to play herself into form. And yeah, I, I, I of course had admire in round four could be really tricky, but you know, I would expect her to make the quarterfinals where things but even the quarterfinal, by the way, would be Fernandez Collins Garcia. You would imagine it would be Garcia if that. I mean, I've chosen those three. There may be other players that I've I've ignored, and apologies to them. But that's not bad either, especially if Garcia went out. Um, you know, and Garcia's form is scratch at the moment. I, I I know there was a bit of criticism from herself, by the way, regarding her form and regarding the final against uh, Vekic, where she had her chances. She had plenty of break points. And Garcia basically was was very critical of her performance and and how she stood up there. So so there's there's issues there. And then semi final for Sviontek, yeah, Azarenka, Rybakina, Jabir. You know, as we as we probably said, it would probably be Azarenka, Rybakina would be 
the standout ones there, but you would expect, a, you know, Masters 1000, you, you're going to expect a tough semi-final. So for me, Eager versus Arena, who's got the tougher draw? Sabalenka every day. Yeah, I think I agree with that assessment. Um, I I would I would say Eager would have to have a very bad day not to reach the semi-finals. Um, even potentially dealing with Caroline Garcia in the quarters. I, I agree with you. Garcia has been getting some decent results in, but has been kind of falling short at sort of clutch moments against players who are performing well. And um, Eager, even on a medium day, is going to play well. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it would be that semi-final. I would, I would see Rebecca there as the bigger threat um, to Eager, given kind of track record of a lot of pretty comfortable Indian Wells, as is Eager being the defending champion. Um, and yeah, Sabalenka, nightmare draw. I mean, yeah, don't want to play Krajika again too that soon. Um, I do wonder with Krajika, but I think um, I'd be interested to see if she can sustain that form in, that she used to win Dubai, because I genuinely think she won that title by being excellent. She beat the top three seeds. She bageled two of them. Um, I think she bageled <laughs> or breadsticked two of them, um, yeah. at least. So um, I would be interested to see if she does carry that on. That sets her up for a very, very good year. Maybe not quite a Shiontech level year, but one we could see her maybe very quickly returning to her career high of, of two. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, let's face it, um, I think... Uh, I think your assessment of the draw is uh, is pretty sound. Um, I'm going to throw a kind of a dark horse name out there. So it made me, not that anyone can see this, um, smile out a little bit. Um, but I'm wondering whether um, this might be an opportunity for uh, Coco Goff. Um, just because she's been putting in some good results very consistently Indian Wells suits her in terms of conditions. Um, and she um, is, uh, yeah, she's had some good results recently. And Indian Wells in recent years has been kind of like an event where you see players break through in one way or another the last few years. I'm thinking sort of the last five years or so, Osaka and Andrescu winning um, for 2021, Palo Badosa finally getting that big title, Iga Sviontek, that was I think that Indian Wells title was really where the streak kind of took hold, um, and you could so, and she established herself as a real top player. The big issue is obviously got off forehand is very easily broken down by someone who knows what they're doing, and she's in a tough section. Um, but I would I would kind of put her as my dark horse for this tournament. Hmm. What do you think, Shahui? As far as dark horses go, um, I don't know if it's too far-fetched to mention Emma Raducanu. I mean, I know that she's returning from, she had, what, tonsillitis or something like that. Uh, they had a pretty good match against Goff at the Australian Open. Uh, so it looks like she has an okay-ish draw from what I've seen. Maybe a few rounds. Maybe I have to have a look at that again. Uh, maybe one of you two can help me out as well. But... Uh, yeah, as far as dark horses go, uh, hopefully we could see some good results from her. I think it's also about time since that. Um, I think her last good result maybe came uh, last year during the clay season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, she had Madrid yeah. and there was a tournament before that. 
I think was it Stuttgart? She was. Yeah, it was Stuttgart, finals. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I think that was her last good result. She's not been. Uh, she's not had the optimal. Uh, well, what do you call? It? Uh, health as well. She's had a lot of, uh, you know, injuries here and there, other health issues. So hopefully, you know, she's. Uh, this could be, you know, fresh start or something. Coco Golf. It's a little weird for me to probably like term her as a dark horse when she's like a top five seed. That's all I would say. But I do get what Nick was, uh, you know, where Nick was getting at because you know there are a lot, of, quite a few players who can you know exploit that forehand. Um, especially if he, if she plays Eva Shot, there's only one thing that would happen. Um, as you know, as things stand. So yeah, that's pretty much as far as I would go. And you know, maybe Mukova as well. She played like I mentioned Azarenka in the second round, playing some good tennis off late. So yeah, as far as you know, I'm thinking of like the more unseeded players, Krejcikova as well. I mean, she's not unseeded, but I would term her and you know, a few others maybe as dark horses. Yeah, I, I I know what I know where Nick is coming from, but I I guess it all depends on your definition of dark horse. But yeah, I I think I I would I think it is difficult to make a case though for Coco Golf to win this tournament. Uh, whereas I don't think it's a difficult to make the case for Azarenka or Clay Chikova outside the top 10. You know, if you said to me in 10 days from now or, or however long it is away, just over 11 days or so, that Clay Chikova or Azarenka are lifting the title, I'd be like, yeah, I, I, that could happen. You know, that, that they might go out in round two or three, but that could happen. Um, Coco Goff, I think that's a stretch for me to, to envisage yeah, a path to that happening and that's where i think that's where i think nick is kind of coming from in a way that yeah. you know that would be a surprise that would be a surprise yeah yeah exactly sense. where i'm coming from is that it's not to do with her ranking it's to do with the draw that she's got and maybe our assessment of her game as it currently stands yeah yeah i understood that uh you know just for me uh that's why i mean I, she's not exactly one of the favorites either so yeah that does make sense her draw and then the matchups all of that combined, it is hard to like, you know, like John mentioned, envision her lifting the title, you know, unless maybe some, you know, there's some miraculous change in one of the, uh, you know, one of the results or, you know, draw collapses in a way that favors her. So, yeah, I do agree. I mean, as things stand, of course. Um, so, yeah, that's, um, so I guess we can probably predict uh, winners at the moment. Who do you two have winning the title? Go on, Nick. Want me to go? Okay. Um, I think uh, this is the, I think, in my mind, the most likely outcome uh, is just about, I'd say, sort of 30, 40%. Um, I'm going to back Igish Fiontek to win it. Um, I think uh, she, um, I think there might be factors why she lost that Dubai final. I think a lot of it is a matchup with that particular opponent. Um, I think she might. Uh, I think she's likely to re-establish herself at Indian Wells. It's the perfect kind of timing for her. So yeah, I'm going with Eager to win the 2023 Indian Wells title. I will answer the question very very quickly, but before I do that, I just noticed that if Eager was to fall earlier on, I think Azarenka Rybakina could be a potential semi-final, which is. Quite exciting, a repeat, of course, of their semi-final in Australia. But anyway, regarding the winger, I'm going to copy Nick. I'm going with Eager. And the main reason for that is the draw, because I don't really see things getting too complicated 
until until possibly the semi-finals. And that's a long way to go before things get complicated. I, I, I think it might be important that she's tested a little bit. Like we don't get to see loves and ones all the way until the, the quarterfinals or the semifinals, because I think that can be a disadvantage that then suddenly she can get rocked like she did per, perhaps with Kaj Shikova uh, in Dubai or perhaps like she did with Rebecca in Australia. But, you know, there's a good chance that Azarenka and Rebecca don't make that semifinal and suddenly, you know, she's got a not too bad looking situation. Whereas Klaichikova and Sabalenka, well, one of them is not making the quarterfinal. That is 100%. And they are the two players, along with Rebakina, uh, who can cause Eager the most trouble. So with with the draw the way it is, I'm also going Eager. Yeah, I'm agreeing with both of you. Um, last year, we didn't see a lot of O's and ones, except for, I think, that quarterfinal that she played against Keys. That was like 0 one or 1-0 or something like that. She did drop a set in multiple matches. Um, against Torsen, against Kerber, uh, Kerber, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, she did drop a set, and I think even in the opening, her opening round. So yeah, and it was only in Miami where she, you know, you know, uh, won, which that she won in dominant fashion, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, we may not, we may see that considering her draw, like you mentioned, John. So yeah, uh, she does have a very ideal. Uh, path maybe you know a lot of the players who could beat her are in the other section of the draw, um, so yeah, and the other section is the other half, and you know she would would likely uh you know at best play only one or probably neither of them, none of them. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident that Iga will uh, win the title, and you know if uh if you look at her past couple of tournaments from Doha to Dubai, that final was like one outlier, you know not at her best of health and also the you know kind of opponent she was up against. So I'm I I'm not like really wavered by that one result. I still think she's definitely favored to win the title. I think we're on the same page. I definitely agree with that assessment. I wouldn't read too much into that final result. It was a combination of Iga being slightly off and Kajika being amazing. Um well let's talk about the menstrual and because um we're probably looking at an interesting situation where this is either weirdly wide open or there's a heavy favourite that you can't ignore. Uh, John, um, where are you with this? Is it anyone's for the taking or is this Daniel Medvedev's to lose? Okay, it's interesting you were you were thinking of Medvedev there. I mean, because actually I wasn't sure if you meant Alcaraz, which tells you that that I'm not convinced about Medvedev. Not because I'm not convinced about his form or or how good a tennis player he is. I just that his Indian Wells record is 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 sketchy. Um he has uh not an amazing draw. I'm just trying to think. I was talking to Shrihari earlier about his potential fourth round. Uh, who was it against Shrihari in the potential fourth round that he might have? Zverev. Zverev, right. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, although right now I probably would tip um, Medvedev in, in that particular match, but for me, it, it, it's more on the racket of Carlos Alcaraz. In, and, and when I say the racket, I probably also mean the hamstring. His draw is pretty good. Okay, so let's let's go let's go down the Carlos Alcaraz is going to win the, uh, this tournament, and here is why. Holt, of course, is, is a potential second round and Greeks for third round. Um, they are interesting for various different reasons. Holt, of course, an American. 
and he did knock out Taylor Fritz last year. Greek Sport, by the way, is now uh, ranked, I think, uh, around about 35, something like that in the world. And, of course, he's seeded 31 here. He's in good form this year. But Karenio Busta, round four. Felix, quarterfinal. Um, yeah, so that's that's you know, Taylor Fritz, potentially semifinal, and City Pass, of course, in the opposite side of the draw. Um, so there is... And, and if he is 90%, 95%, I think he's winning this tournament. Uh, we saw how good he was this time last year. It was a monumental semi-final he had with Rafa. Um, but for me, uh, uh, Carlos Alcaraz, who was showing that he was in a very good physical, mental and tennis state, albeit on a different surface, for two weeks in Latin America, for me... The person I thought you were referring to is, is it Alcaraz is to lose? The problem is, though, Nick, and, and, and I know why you're, you're sort of not thinking of Alcaraz so much, is we don't know where he is physically. But let me let me say that both him and Sitsipas, who's obviously got a sh- shoulder issue, Sitsipas, Alcaraz, hamstring. I'm pretty sure, particularly Carlos, but, 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 but Steph too, if this was going to endanger a lengthy period of the season for them. Uh, We've seen Carlos Alcaraz pull out of Rome, not because he's injured, but because he wants to protect his body, if you like, ahead of of Roland Garros. We've seen Carlos Alcaraz, who was probably touch and go for the Australian Open, a grand slam. And I think, you know, that, that would have been tempting for him to play that. And we saw how touch and go and how close it was, because two weeks later, we're seeing him on, uh, you know, playing in Latin America. So, we know that that wasn't far off in terms of the schedule. I don't think he's the guy. I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to put his body at risk. I think he's in, he has, if he's, if he's a hundred percent for me, he wins this tournament, but, but we'll come to the predictions later. Go on, Shuri. Yeah. This is like major deja vu. Uh, you know, when you compare it to Nadal exactly 10 years ago, I remember he pulled the plug after losing to Lucas Rosol at Wimbledon. He didn't play until mm-hmm. was Vina Del Mar in 2013. He lost that final and then he went on a winning streak all the way until Monte Carlo, where he, you know, lost to Novak, not only for the first time since that, lost to Zebaios, but also for the first time in Monte Carlo in like eight years or something like that. We, you know, and Nadal also skipped the Australian Open in 2013. So did Alcaraz. Uh, we might, you know, I mean, we just never know. The draw is pretty good for him, like you mentioned. Uh, as far as Felix is concerned, I don't know if he makes it there. If, if we get an Alcaraz versus Felix quarterfinal, that would be really interesting. Uh, because, you know, obviously Felix is 3-0 against him uh, in the head-to-head. He has beaten a good version of Carlos in like, the Davis Cup. Two of them, I get it. You know, Alcaraz was pretty injured. One was a retirement, and the other one was in Basel. And, you know, probably the... Uh, Alcaraz's heaviest defeat, um, I think, you, you know, since the 2021 season, since his breaks were really. Um, so, yeah, but, yeah, I do agree. You know, I can definitely envision Alcaraz just, uh, you know, playing some really good tens of piece, you know, health permits and probably lifting this title. He played really well last year, so nothing's stopping him. Um, I should mention, however, Medvedev in a very interesting position because he's in great form. But at the same time, like you mentioned, John, not a very good record at India. Well, it hasn't been past the fourth round, and that you know that result came in twenty twenty one when he you know pretty inexplicably lost to Dimitrov from a set and two breaks up. 
uh, he was the heavy favorite to win that. Uh, apart from maybe poor cuts in the quarters, I don't think anybody was really stopping him. That Indian was 21. I remember Sitsipas and were losing in the quarterfinals uh, that year. And yeah, even if they did make it, I think Medvedev would have beaten him had he made it there as well. Uh, that being said, Medvedev has, uh, I should say, he has a good draw. Uh, considering his form and in general on paper, he has a very good draw. He has his favorite Van de Zandstrup in the third round. He's beaten him four times already. Uh, what's to say he won't beat him for a fifth time? He's got Zverev. I think he's 6 2 in their last eight meetings and definitely the favorite to win, considering where the two are at the moment, tennis wise. Uh, he's not losing to Casper Ruud if he does get there, if Ruud does get there. So for me, as far as Medvedev is concerned, he should make it to at least the semi final. Where you know probably get Sitsi pass and then uh Alcaraz or Felix or anybody else really or Fritz from the top half who could make make it to you know make it to the final. So it's only a matter of whether or not he has a shock loss like he did say in twenty nineteen when he won. Um, I think he was on a win streak. He won two consecutive titles. He won um. Shanghai and I think uh Moscow so the St. Petersburg before that and then he lost to Shardy in bursting the opening map so uh if uh, unless something like that happens I think Medvedev's you know I like his chances to at least make the semi-finals here uh you know from there really it just depends is Sitsipas healthy is he playing well you know he has gotten uh, he does have kind of an upper hand on Medvedev at the moment as far as the rivalry is concerned so yeah, a lot to look forward to, I would say. Um, it, just only because Medvedev is in you know such state of uh, state of mind, and also uh, you know three consecutive titles, you just can't overlook that. You know, even just because they're not big titles, because he there were some pretty big scalps and uh, you know, in two of those uh, titles that he won. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, you're in pretty good form if you um, out Djokovic, Djokovic. Um, the I, I guess we're talking a little bit about um his Indian Wells form. I was a little bit sort of a little bit um exaggerated with the way I phrased the question, like just taking the win streak into account. And we know how uh much of an impact on our thinking win streaks can have. Um, if we look at what happened on the women's side in the last 12 months beyond that, um, but yeah, there's that question of how much. Is Medvedev like uh, Indian Wells as a tournament? I and historically in the last few years, Acapulco has been a better guide for Indian Wells form, and Dubai has been a better guide for Miami form. Um, if you look at sort of performances over there, um, so I could see Medvedev winning Miami, um, but um, Indian Wells, I don't know. I mean, Trihari, um, I know you probably want to make another point, but. Um, you're the Medvedev fan. What is it about Indian Wells that Daniel doesn't seem to like? Um, I don't know how much is how much of it is in his head. If his um issues with clay is any are anything to go by, that could also be uh you know a big aspect. But I just think uh the kind of conditions it's a bit extreme there. Um, you know, it's pretty hot and dry during the day, and then it gets quite cool and windy uh you know in the evening and night sessions there so there's never really a balance as far as the conditions go um and the court also i mean 
it's not that Memphis they can't play on a slow court. He's won quite a few titles on slow, slower hard courts. You know, most recent one being rotted and one of the slowest courts we have, uh, slowest hard courts we have on on tour. Um, for me, it's just that there's something about those kinds of conditions that just you know, I do remember twenty twenty one. There was that match against Prano, which was struggling a lot in the wind, uh, with the wind he did win, but you know he, that just. Uh, it's not that he can't play good tennis, but that tends to get into his head. And when we know that Medvedev is not really happy, he just tends to hurtle down. Um, so that's, you know, he doesn't have the best sort of fortitude in that aspect, but, you know, to sort of grind out wins when, you know, while facing a, quite a bit of adversity. He's shown that a few times, but a lot of times we've seen, you know, a few things just putting him off. Like, you know, again, Sitsipas, so fireworks at Cincinnati the last time they played. That put him off. He ended up double faulting, I think, 11 times and losing. So those are things for me more than anything. Um, I think his tennis is good enough for him to do well there. Uh, Miami, yeah, I mean, he's done better and he will most likely do better there. But yeah, I think this is as far as it goes for me. And, you know, as for, like you mentioned, you know, as a Medvedev fan, what I want to see this year, especially since things like he's found his groove again, is not just win, go back to winning big titles, but you know, show us something that he's not shown before. He's shown that he's really good from August all the way to the end of the season, winning every big title that there is on tour during that space. He's shown that he's good at the Australian Open, you know, runner up twice there. Uh, and also, he's he's not had this much success during this part of the season ever, winning you know as many titles and beating the kind of you know, players he beat. Uh, Djokovic and uh, obviously I mean, he should be beating Rublev, Felix and Sinner, uh, you know, generally speaking, but you know, those are still pretty good wins no matter how you look at it. So that should probably fuel him to, you know, maybe do better because the, that's the one thing that he's pretty much, uh, there are a couple of things really. One is, oh, you know, can he show good results at the Sunshine Double and can he show better results on clay? Um, he's okay-ish at grass, pretty decent. He's won a title, you know, made a few bunch of other finals as well. Uh, but yeah, that's what I that's one of the things I definitely want to see. You know, it would be pretty disappointing because this is a really good chance for him, considering quite a few players are you know, and namely Novak and Rafa being absent should help him quite a bit. And you know, he he's probably superior in form and confidence compared to the rest of the players. So if things are coming along for him, maybe, you know, you just never know. So it, it really depends on that. So I, I definitely want to see really good results. I mean, he need not win both titles or even, you know, win either title. Like if you're going to lose, at least lose uh, in a high quality match to a very good opponent on the day is what I think. I just don't want to shock upset out of nowhere. And, you know, that would just be another waste of an opportunity. See that. I can see that. Um. I have to say, John, uh, the your kind of hype of Alcaraz has got to be very exciting because if he is fit, um, and uh, you know he's you know he, you're, that point is right that uh, you know if he's playing, it's because he's confident his body's healthy. Um, then I'm potentially very excited at the prospect of an Alcaraz versus Medvedev final. I appreciate there's a few other players in the mix, and we may get around to mentioning those over the course of this conversation. But um, yeah, I, I really like the idea of a picture of a sort of an explosive Alcaraz who, let's face it, only narrowly lost Nadal um, last year, probably due to Nadal being 
great um, in that really win the betted match and just kind of steal it in many ways. Um, I think Alcaraz is very comfortable here. Um, I mean, but if we were to get an Alcaraz Medvedev final, which I think a lot of us tennis fans would be will up for at best. Um, I mean, would you expect that to be a blockbuster? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, 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 I will come to that in a second because I, I think Shohei made a good point about Medvedev's draw. I, I, I'm just concerned about the, the history here. And, and, and I also think, and I understand why Shrihui is a bit, you know, Shrihui gave us sort of two or three different possibilities. One is that, you know, that he goes on to win the tournament. One is that he has an honourable loss against a top, top opponent, such as an Alcaraz, such as a City Pass, you know, in, in, in three sets or whatever. Or the third scenario, which is the dreaded scenario, which is where there's a shock somewhere early on and it's like, oh, where because then then the doubts would sort of come back and it'd be like okay we had that purple patch for a couple of weeks but we were we, we we're still sort of there's still that we can soon quickly go back to where we were three weeks ago four weeks ago when he went out to quarter because that was another low if you like in the 12 month uh period for, for Medvedev but but coming back to your point yeah it'll be an excellent excellent final that'll be high that'll be massively anticipated and if those two have got to the final it's also suggesting good things about where both of them are physically mentally and where their game is at so i think it would be an eagerly anticipated final i've just written down a list of one two three six potential winners uh, although i think you could argue maybe more for four or even three so this is my six, and and I'll, and I'll give you reasons in a way of why they're not going to win it uh, because I've got a couple on it. So I've got Al, I've got Alcaraz, I've got City Pass, I've got Medvedev. Those are three very easy ones to write down because if Alcaraz is anything close to his physical and mental best and tennis best, you know he probably does win it. Steph, I've actually got less concerns about in terms of his physical thing. It doesn't seem to be a big issue. I saw him practicing today, albeit a a, a very short clip. I know there's the concerns about the shoulder, but these things happen. I think he's okay. I could be wrong and he could pull out at some point in the next few days, but I think he's probably okay. So his tennis is certainly in a pretty good place uh, and it has been probably for about five or six months now. Uh, then you've got Medvedev, who we've just spoken about. Then come the next two or three, and I've got a few more doubts about them. So then comes... Fritz, Runa, and Cam Norrie. That, that's my next group of three. Um, Fritz, aside from some of the on-court stuff that we've seen, you know, we've seen this Grand Slam thing now where it's back-to-back hard-court slams and he's going out far, far earlier to opponents that he really shouldn't be going out to. And I know this isn't a Grand Slam. I know he's the defending champion. But... There's just a few more doubts about Fritz right now than there probably were as recently as November. Uh, for me, he was, you know, the second best player uh, possibly at the ATP Tour Finals. But listen to his draw, okay? Potential draw. Now, this is just purely on seedings for Taylor Fritz. Demonor round four. Demonor, of course, winning recently in Acapulco. In fact, I think he beat Fritz in Acapulco in the semifinals. Or I know Demonor beat beat Runa. Sorry, my apologies. Um, but anyway, Demonor uh, round four. That's tricky. Quarterfinal Holger Runa, semi-final Alcaraz, final City Pass. Now, of course, all sorts of things can go on in the draw, but that's a really tough 
round four onwards draw for him. Before that would be Shelton in round two, potentially, which is also a bit of a tricky one, in my opinion. And uh, and Byers in round three. So probably because of the draw, Fritz suddenly goes a bit further down my list. And who else did I have on there? Holgeruna, Cam Norrie. Cam Norrie, former champion here, of course. Yeah, yeah, it could things could fall into place for him. Um, we saw him obviously have a, a very good clay court season or a mini clay court season, I should say. The two week spell that we have in Latin America, or two or three weeks we'll have in Latin America before the clay court season really gets underway um, in the next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, Holgeruna, um, not sure. Not sure where we're at with Runa at the moment. Again, he had a, a you know a really good spell in in September, October, November indoors. Has he repeated that since the beginning of the year? Not quite. Could he win this tournament? Yes, but probably I would just put him in the bracket below Steph Alcaraz and Medvedev. Yeah, he's had his fair share of health issues as well. Uh, yeah, the rest in Australia, and then I think struggled with it. In Montpellier as well, when he lost to Cressy, uh, Acapulco, that that is really got to be a bummer because he was so close to beating Domino and then he starts cramping at the worst time possible, like you know, shortly after he lost the second set. He had break points to serve for the match. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, it's kind of understandable he doesn't cramp nearly as much these days. And, you know, Acapulco conditions were just brutal. So many matches going past three hours. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think uh, Paul Garuna should be fine, hopefully. Um, and I should say, yeah, Nori, it's interesting. Nori, it's interesting. Uh, you know, because he's obviously in the other half. And he's, I think, in Medvedev, Casper Ruud, and Sitsipas's half. Uh, for me, a dark horse, of course, should be Hurkac. He will, you know, he has Felix in the fourth round. I should say Felix is Hurkac in the fourth round. Um, again, Hurkac could beat him there. And we could be having a Hurkac and Alcaraz quarterfinal, right? Uh, that could be a blockbuster. We had a really good semis between them in Miami last year. It was two tie breaks for Carlos. So, yeah, I think Medvedev versus Alcaraz is probably like the best case scenario as far as, you know, final is concerned at Indian Wells. I do agree with that. Um, I, I, like, I, I like that list, John. And it's interesting with kind of like, I'm on the same page with you because I was going into this going, thinking, well, let's say worst case scenario um, in terms of what I kind of hinted to earlier when we started talking about men's draw was sort of like it being wide open, say. Worst case scenario is that um, Alcaraz and City Pass, their physical issues do hamper them um, and it affects them. They go out midway through the tournament. Medvedev, um, maybe in again struggles with Indian Wells. I mean, um, you were talking about him potentially playing Zverev in round four. I actually think he's more likely to play Bautista Agut, who is someone who historically has been a problem for him. Um, then who does that leave? Like, who who does that leave if you, if you rule those three out? Well, Taylor Fritz was going to be my favorite. I hadn't realized quite how hard his draw was. Um, but he seems very comfortable at Indian Wells. He's got some good results in the warm-up, American warm-up stuff, which I would say, again, is uh, relatively, is probably the most relevant in terms of tournaments to look at before Indian Wells, um, including South American clay. Uh, 
I think his result in Acapulco was more down to he had slightly more physical issues than Tommy Paul did in that semi. Um, I think Dimonor was like only got through because he was probably the best um, physical condition out of the four semi-finalists at that event, um, which is, you know, that's an excellent thing on his part. Um, maybe someone to watch here, although I don't necessarily see him winning it. Um, you could, I would also include Cam Norrie in there again, former champion, uh, like you like you said, John. Um, I know that's like kind of maybe because how he matched up with top players, he kind of needs to draw around him to open up. Um, that's typically how he's how he's won titles, though he did did do well to take advantage of his issues in, in Rio. Um, I would I would throw Casper Rude out there. I know we're kind of ruling him out because he's in a poor run of form. The thing is, the last two big finals he's been in, he was in a poor run of form. If you look at the US Open, that final came off the back of losing to Ben Shelton in Cincinnati in like in his opening match. ATP finals, that final, he was having a horrific indoor season. He was going out first round everywhere. So um, I'm not saying it's hard to predict, actually, but yeah, I did he mention likes it. Indian Wells. But, you know, the problem is he didn't perform well at the biggest tournament at the beginning of the season. So that's why it's a little alarming. Uh, and he lost very comprehensively. That's also alarming as the number two seed and as someone who's made uh, finals at two of the previous three slams going into that tournament. I think that was quite, it, it was uh, concerning. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't see him beating Medvedev regardless. Uh, about Bautista. Oh, no, I don't either. Yeah. I should mention that the head-to-head is 4-2 in Zverev's favor, and the only two losses have come for against Agutman uh, back in 2013 and 2015, when Zverev was pretty much a teenager. Um, so I wouldn't look uh, too much into those at all. And I think for most part, RBA is a very good matchup for Zverev. And even if RBA miraculously beats Zverev, I think uh, Medvedev's convincingly beaten him in two of their last three meetings, especially in Astana, which was their last meeting. It was 6-1, 6-1 for Medvedev. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not too big on RBA either. And, you know, he's not playing some, he, I mean, I, he's not had any result that we can point to either and say, okay, yeah, he's sort of on, uh, you know, someone to watch at the moment. Uh, yeah, so I think maybe Zverev, it's, kind of an ideal draw for him uh, because he is getting back into form. He had a good tournament in Dubai. You know, he played a good second set against Rublev, even though he lost it. Uh, so he's definitely on that trajectory, you know, to return back to form. Um, you know, clay season could definitely be where he sort of gets the closest or like starts to peak again, I would say. But yeah, I think we will very likely have Medvedev and Zverev in the fourth round. Okay. Um, yeah, fair point on all of those. Um, I just never, I, I, I've given up, I, I basically just always allow for tennis's ability to surprise us and for strange things to happen. Um, but I do see your point. I think most likely that is the outcome. Maybe uh, maybe Sparrow will be the one who surprises Medvedev. Probably not. I think Medvedev's in good form. I'm, mm. I'm still a leaning towards an Alcaraz Medvedev final. But who would yeah. win that? John, who, from your, you've, you've given us six names that you think might win. Do you want to stick your neck out and pick one you think is most likely to win? 
Yeah, uh, I will stick my neck out because that's the name of the game. Uh, just one more thing before I do the name that I that some people might be stomping their feet as they listen to this podcast, going, "Why is he not on your list?" And that might be Yannick Sinner. I guess he would be the seventh, if you like. And I tell you what would be great, by the way, and and there could be some really good, good tennis matches on the horizon, and there'd be none better or more eagerly anticipated, I think, than an Alcaraz Sinner semi final. Bearing in mind, we saw how how they yes. played each other last season, not just in New York, but of course that's the one that we remember most. Um, Alcaraz seems to be able to. to I mean, Alcaraz Ketsmanovic, Alcaraz Djokovic last year. Alcaraz seems to to bring out the best in his opponents as well as himself. Alcaraz Nadal as well at the at the uh, Indian Wells semi-finals. So. Yes, Alcaraz Medvedev would be would hopefully live up to uh, all those ex- expectations that we would have. But I think Alcaraz Sitsipas could. The only thing is, well, I think we did see Alcaraz play Sitsipas. Um, did we see him last year? And I think it was generally fairly. I think they, did they play each other in Indian Wells or Miami? Maybe Miami. Miami. Um, yeah, I think Sitsipas was five two up in the first set, and then to no fault, okay. he ended up losing in straight. But Alcaraz played like. Some of the most obscene tennis I've seen for that passage of next maybe four two up I think yeah and then you know Alcaraz was just unbelievable he ended up winning seven five six three Barcelona was yeah. barely convincing two you know six four five yeah. seven six two something like that so yeah Alcaraz does have that upper hand Alcaraz Sitsipas may also be a final you just never know you know Medvedev and yeah. always a seesaw um, if they face and you know you just never know Sitsipas can be the one to snap Medvedev's streak and we could have that is a final. Uh, they've had good matches, no doubt about that. But Alcaraz is definitely the heavy favorite if that final is to happen. And like you mentioned, yeah, the you know, good... has been playing. Cool. Good uh, you know, if if he's looking healthy, then yeah, he's in. Also, been has a very has had a very good start this season. Uh, undefeated, the United Cup final at the Australian Open. I think the only. Uh, time where he probably didn't look as good was that match against Sinner, really not close in Rotterdam. But other, other than that, I think, um, you know, Sitsipas, he, he also knows how to grind out, um, you know, really uh, tough wins when he's playing, you know, far from his best. I think that's the one really uh, admirable quality that he has. So, you know, you just never know. We could have that as the final as well. So, you know, like you mentioned, a lot of exciting potential matchups. The good thing as well as if Medvedev um, uh, plays Tsitsipas is we know how how well they get on off the court. So so that'll be uh, a nice to see two friends such as uh, Steph and uh, and uh, Daniel meet. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I think it's just funny. I think it's funny. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I think it's... I don't know what to make of Medvedev reigniting that feud, but I do want to see them face each other in a final because that means we know that there's going to be a trophy ceremony. We know that these players have to say something. Oh, yeah. yeah, I do want to see that. I absolutely want to see that. Um, maybe that could be, you know, we thought it would be Labour Cup uh, in 2021 that would probably bring them, uh, you know, to gel with one another. Clearly something happened since that Australian Open semis last year. So, you know, who knows, right? Maybe that could be the catalyst for them probably, you know, getting uh, to know each other better and you know, <laughs> who knows. Yeah. But um, unfortunately they're in the same path. So that's not going to happen here. Hopefully in Miami. No. So Miami, yeah. What better place? Because that's where the feud even started five years ago. And for them to yeah. play. 
there. We thought what happened in 2021, both of them lost in the quarter. They were the top two seeds as well, if I'm not mistaken, in 2021. Medvedev lost to RBA and Hurkacz lost to Tsitsipas. Uh, sorry, Tsitsipas lost to Hurkacz. So, who knows, right? So, yeah, I think as far as that goes, so let's predict um, winners. This will be more difficult than it was for the women's, I should say. Uh, so, I'll let you to go ahead uh, like we did before. So, um, I'm going to go with Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, perhaps some people might have sensed that uh, from things I've been saying earlier. I just think that that if he plays his best, uh, I'm not sure even, even Daniel Medvedev uh, can live with him. And given Medvedev's form here over the last uh, few years, not sure even if Medvedev gets as far as the final, he may well do. Uh, and as, as we said, that would be a great final should that end up being the case. But I also wouldn't be surprised if we end up, say, getting a uh, a City Pass Alcaraz final as well. Uh, I hope that that will be a closer affair, at least in terms of, say, it being three sets than the, the, the couple of matches that you highlight. But yeah, I'm going to go with Carlos Alcaraz. I think uh, I saw enough over a 13 and a half day period uh, in Buenos Aires and Rio to suggest that the tennis the eye, the coordination was certainly still very much there. The the shots where he's off camera, if you like, and you're thinking, what how, did he really get a racket on that? And did did I just see the ball fly fly past Jarry? As I think it was his opponent that particular day. The Cam Norrie second semi final as well. We we know the issues he had with the the hamstring there, but there were still some sensational shots from him with with barely one leg. Cam said he couldn't. He didn't even realise the condition that was occurring on the other side of the net. So, anyway, um, yeah, I'm I'm going with Carlos Alcaraz. Um, just basically, I'm relying on the fitness, really, and and that being the case, uh, and me hoping and, and and being optimistic that he's in good condition because I don't think he would risk it otherwise. I'm going for the Spaniard. Yeah, John, you can. John, you've convinced me. I came into this podcast fully ready to predict Taylor Frick was going to win Indian Wells. Um, I was confident that he was in good enough form and confident enough and in a place that he likes um, to to take it, and he still could. But I think, yeah, I think the fact is that, John, uh, you've highlighted with, you know, maybe his fitness is at, Alcaraz's fitness is better than we we were fearing after that Rio final um, is making me think that actually he is, um, if he's on, he's the favourite. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to switch and I'm going to say Carlos Alcaraz as well. Hmm, this one's difficult for me. I am most, I, I'll just say this. I'm inclined towards Alcaraz. Um, that being said, uh, obviously I can't see, a scenario where either Medvedev or Tsitsipas also might as well lift the title. Um, you know, you just never know. I, I, for me, the one question mark with Alcaraz is if he's not 100%, he could lose before the final. Um, there are players to beat him. That being said, if he's if he is fit, uh, purely tennis-wise, there, there's one guy who showed us who can beat him. That's Yannick Sinner, and he is there. And hopefully he's also fit enough so we can get that semi-final so yeah I will also lean towards Carlos Alcaraz where we end up being uh, surprised by someone like Francis Tiafoe or Tommy Paul somehow stealing it 
Um, it could happen we, as well, you know, because Alcaraz did lose to the likes of Tommy Paul last year, just before the US Open. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure where exactly Paul is in the draw, but yeah, could happen. Could happen. Well, I think we should um, we'll wrap it up there. John, thank you so much for joining Shahiri and myself um, uh, today, um, and I hope that you enjoy uh, Indian Wells. Uh, John, where can we find you on uh, social media? And um, is there, and uh, what are the plans for uh, Talking Tennis and Indian Wells? At Talking Tennis TT on pretty much all social medias. You can also find me at Jay Silk as well. Uh, should you, you wish to indulge in uh, some of my social media posts, but if you want to just stick to the tennis, then then at Talking Tennis TT. And, and regarding the channel, uh, I know in the next um, 24 hours, I need to get my skates on before uh, the matches get underway, but I'm going to do, um, you already know who my winners are on both sides, but I'm going to try and do a projected path for all of those players uh, one by one, much as I did for Australia. So that'll come out on the channel at some point in the next 24 hours. We'll probably do a few live commentaries as well, although I am on holiday. So, and I am on holiday as in like traveling rather than on holiday at home. So it might be quite difficult to do too many commentaries, but hopefully a few commentaries throughout the tournament. And, and I just hope that um, I'm very excited about the, the women's side. We've already touched on that. And you know what? Just looking at some of those players that could be in Carlos Alcaraz's way, you know, whether memories of Kitsmanovic and 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 some of those other matches he had last year, come flooding back. Yannick Sinner, of course, we touched on, and a potential match with Daniel Medvedev. Uh, lots to look forward to. For sure, yeah. for sure. Um, well, I want to say thanks very much, um, Shrihiri, as well. Um, I'll probably be speaking to you quite a bit. Um, um, over at Popcorn as we as we uh, cover the event as we cover the event as well. Um, definitely subscribe to Talking Tennis um, on uh, YouTube or Twitch if you haven't already. Um, and uh, definitely follow John's coverage as much as he can do, despite being on holiday. Because I suspect that, um, like all tennis fans, he'll be keeping a close eye despite himself. Yeah, and also look look out for John's um, you know out of context um, tweets on uh, through talking <laughs> tennis where he just has a random frame of matches um, and we wonder what's going on. But then that's usually for the show. <laughs> but yeah, um, and yeah. yeah, we'll also be back soon. I I hope uh, on this show to uh, you know preview Miami and also talk a bit about Indian Wells because that's also that's the tournament that's coming up right after Indian Wells. So. We will see you all soon, and thanks for listening. And thanks for uh, uh, you know being with us here again, John. It was nice to have you as always. Thank, thank you very much for having me.